gonna be just like senior year, except for funner. Hey guys, I'm Kendra. Hi, I'm Mercedes, and this week we're talking about an 80s classic that's all about a 60s summer, Dirty Dancing. And we are so excited to kick off the start of summer with our very first summer rom-com. This is the first of many, and we are so happy, and we hope that you hang out with us all this summer in the rom-com room. But of course, Mercedes, <laughs> we have to kick it off with our celebrity crush of the week. Who are you oh crushing on, sweet girl? So my crush is the entire cast of Fire Island, the new the entire cast. Hulu rom-com. Yes. <laughs> Everybody, Matt Rogers, Bowen Yang, Joel Kim Booster, everybody. <laughs> because I watched it this past weekend and I love it so much. And I just want to give a shout out because they're all so talented and just like a cast of hotties. And I was just so blown away. It's a Pride and Prejudice adaptation. And I was just like, this is awesome. I loved it. Wait, what is it a what is it about? You know Pride and Prejudice like is my whole heart. Oh my god, you have to watch this. It's on Hulu. It's a gay rom-com and it's Fire Island. It takes place on Fire Island, which is like one of the small islands outside of Manhattan and a large part of the queer community go and like party over the summer. That's like a main area they go and just like have fun. So it's like a whole love story that happens like within like a week of vacation there. And it's just, it's so great. Oh, I, and I like love the way it's framed. It was just, it was a great adaptation. Okay. Okay. I had to get to my after. Okay. This has to happen after Stranger Things, after I finish Atlanta, after I watch Heartstopper. <laughs> like, it, you guys give me so much list. So I'm going to try to get to all of them. <laughs> Every week we're all giving each other so many other recommendations. So many. Exactly. Mercedes, <laughs> I, I have to admit, I'm a, a bit embarrassed by my by my celebrity crush for the week this week. You have to tell me. Tell me. Uh, okay. It is Jack Harlow. <laughs> he has gotten to me. He has. I never wanted it to be him. I never wanted to be that person. That's like. But anyways, I was just like, oh, okay, he's cute. Okay, he's cute. Okay, he's cute. A white boy with swag always gets me, and it's such a freaking tragedy. <laughs> you know, if you ever want the crush to stop, look at photos of him from like a few years ago, and then you'll be like right back to normal. Yeah, yeah, he was not cute. He was not cute. It's kind of like he grew trip. into himself. Yeah, yeah, he grew into himself. All right, guys, we're gonna roll right on over to the TLDR. We just like to recap the movie for anyone who hasn't seen it there are spoilers ahead if you have not seen this movie you can buy it on amazon prime i don't know if there's anywhere really playing it for free yeah i think only on like if you have cable it'll come it comes on cable all the time <laughs> so if you're one of those people yeah just flip through the channels it'll come on eventually <laughs> exactly so baby played by jennifer gray and her family are spending a few weeks at the popular but incredibly boring kellerman's resort before Baby is set to go off and join the Peace Corps. Between the 60-year-old women knitting, 70-year-old men smoking cigars, and all-around air of arrogance, Baby is finding it hard to fit in or find anything cool or entertaining. That is until one night when she sneaks into a staff party and meets lead dancer and guy from the wrong side of the tracks, Johnny mm -hmm. Castle, played by the late, great Patrick Swayze. When Baby discovers Patrick's dance partner, Penny, is knocked up by another staff member, she goes out of her way to help her, doing everything from like borrowing money from her rich doctor dad to help her with the abortion to even lying and covering for her. The only problem is the only day Penny can get an abortion is the same day as a big dance competition she and Johnny are meant to be performing in. Since they're both coming from very little money, this is a paid opportunity that they just absolutely cannot pass up. So of course, in typical baby fashion, she decides to help out this time by stepping in and performing as Johnny's partner. During the process, the two fall in love 
even though Baby's dad has warned her against it. Later, Johnny is wrongfully accused of stealing a guest's wallet, and when Baby gives him an alibi proving his innocence, he's fired from the club anyways for having relations with a guest. But the thing is, Johnny has always performed the last dance of the summer, and him being fired wasn't going to stop that. He returns at the end of the summer party, grabs Baby, and they perform the most beautiful dance in front of everyone, and once again shows us that love can overcome anything. Yes! This is a 1987 film written by Eleanor Bergstein, who also wrote the TV movie version of this film. It's directed by Emil Ordolino, who also directed Sister Act, a classic. Yeah, oh my god, a classic. <laughs> classic, so fun. Oh my gosh. Tell me your facts, Mercedes. I know you got a lot. I have a lot. So Eleanor Bergstein, the writer, used elements of her own life through this. And she claims she isn't baby. She's like, baby's not me. But she was called baby growing up by her whole family. And she also has very fond memories of basement dirty dancing parties in the 60s. Her producer was like, okay, so you want to make this movie about people who like summer in the Catskills? And she was like, yeah. And then she's like, well, tell me other stuff about your life. She's like, oh, we used to dirty dance in the basements in the 60s. She's like, that's it. That's what we have. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. I wonder I wonder how it was back then. I don't know. I just, I'm I, so curious. What yeah, it's such a different time. But I mean, that's what era, every era of dancing feels like, you know? Like, mm -hmm. there's always that point where like older generations are just really not a fan of younger generations dances and there's so many other elements that come into that we'll talk about it all <laughs> so jennifer gray who was 27 years old at the time played baby who was 18 oh years old God. and i'm just so jealous because i could never do that i'm one of those people i've always looked older than i am i remember when i was 16 going into wet steel to get a job application and she gave me one and she and I and I had asked, you know, do you have like an age restriction or whatever? Because I was 16 at the time. Yeah. She's like, oh, I thought you were 21. And I was like, huh. I that has never I've never forgotten that. That has always stayed with me because I could oh. never play someone younger. I think I just have an aura about me that's like old soul. <laughs> you know, a similar thing would happen to me as a teen, too, because I'm tall. Yeah, I've always been taller. So like when I was 12, people thought I was like 17. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I still have awkward baby face. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm clearly not. I'm just tall. <laughs> How old were you when you, like, hit your 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 current height? I'm 14. Wow. Really? It was, yeah. It sucked. And you're, like, 5'10", right? Yeah. I mean, in, like, three years, I grew 10 inches. It was just, I had no idea what to do with myself. I was like, <laughs> That's so cool. Okay, so did you know this movie was rejected 42 times by different studios? And it, so it had such a tough time getting made for a lot of reasons. It was a woman writer, a woman producer leading this and pitching it. And it was about dirty dancing. That was the title. And then it also has this abortion storyline that really can't be removed from the plot because it's so tightly part of the plot. So it ended up being the most popular indie movie once it was released. And it was such a low budget that like most of their budget had to go to the music rights. You know what's you know what's really annoying for me, just like working in Hollywood, is this is exactly what they do. Everyone turns down something new and fresh and exciting. Mm -hmm. And then once it's done and it's done correctly, everyone wants to do it. I, I feel like it was the same story with Stranger Things, which is arguably the biggest show to ever exist. Yeah. I think it was rejected a bunch of times. Everyone was like, no. And I remember when I was working at Stars, I got to see the original mood board for it. I don't know how oh, I wow. got my hands on that, but I got to see like the original mood board. And it's basically a document that the 
filmmakers create to show studios the settings and like the whole, the mood and the tone of the show and things like that. And so they have images and they have pictures and different text to support it. And it's really cool. But then I feel like everyone rejected it. And now every production company, every network is trying to have like their Stranger Things, right? And it's just so annoying. I wish that Hollywood just like take a chance on things. I I really wish Look how much impact these different stories have. And then it takes so much for them to be made. Oh, it's so very frustrating. I think it's so cool, too, because as someone who bought every single movie known to man growing up, this movie was the first one to sell a million copies on home video. Oh, my God. That's insane. Like, it's the success crazy. of this movie is inspiring, actually. <laughs> yeah, and it says a lot because people would go right from the movie to the record store and buy the record of the movie, too, like the whole album, mm-hmm. which I feel like isn't the most common thing to do. Like, you're not going to be like, I need this soundtrack. <laughs> like, you'll maybe, like, listen to, like, one song, the whole soundtrack, and it's so good. Our King, Kenny Ortega, our most beloved high school musical director. Oh, yes. was the choreographer for this movie of course of and course. i am just forever grateful for this man i'll never <laughs> i can never say enough great things about him i love it what else you got for me oh my gosh so you talked about how jennifer gray was actually 27 well patrick swayze was also 34 which is insane playing like this young boy Mm-hmm. And did you know they weren't big fans of each other? They did not get along. They worked together on Red Dawn a couple years before. I recommend watching because it's just an absurd movie. <laughs> and, and Yeah, they weren't on the best terms after that. And there's even a couple scenes in the movie where the director, Ardolino, just kept the camera rolling on them to get their unscripted reactions. So when they're rehearsing and she keeps laughing and he's so annoyed, that's like real. Like that was really his reaction. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I heard that he had to like, first of all, I heard that he was crying when he apologized to her for like his behavior. Yeah. Things like that. And he had to like beg her to be in this movie because she was just like, I'm never working with him again, which is so interesting because honestly, that's true acting right there. When you can work alongside someone you really don't like and still have, you know, chemistry the way that they did. I think that's like <laughs> they like used the frustration as passion because a mm. lot of those things can look similar on screen if you mm-hmm. don't know the backstory so, and yeah. you could tell their chemistry there's something <laughs> there was there, passion there's something there <laughs> <laughs> alright guys so we're going to move into Time Castle Mercedes and I just like to recall where we were when this movie came out and for the first time ever Mercedes I remember exactly where I was because I just watched this movie for the first time on Monday. Crazy. (laughs) Insane. I had never seen this movie before Monday. This is me, Kendra, who has watched every single 80s rom-com. I had never, I don't know what it is. And I'm ashamed to admit that. I was sitting on my couch reflecting on all the men I had a crush on in the 80s, even though I wasn't alive yet. And Patrick Swayze was one of them. But that's because I loved The Outsiders. I think I watched The Outsiders every single day for a straight year when I was like in middle school. Oh, Oh, yeah. That movie had an impact. (laughs) Oh, impact. And listeners, if anyone has not seen The Outsiders, oh, please. Well, first of all, grab a box of tissues and sit down and watch The Outsiders because it's like every guy had a crush on me. Get ready to see young Rob Lowe. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, my young Tom Cruise, too. Oh, my God. Everybody. Everyone's in it. Everyone, where were you when you watched this for the first time? Okay, so I don't remember where I watched it for the first time. I was definitely really young because I just, I would watch these with my mom all the time, these types of movies. But I have some pretty great memories about it related to this movie. So in 2019, I presented two grad school research papers at this conference, and it took place in the Catskills in New York, and I had never been there before. And no exaggeration, this resort we presented at and stayed at 
looked exactly like the Dirty Dancing. I was like, they filmed it here. This is the set. And then I did some more research. And because of the budget, they actually filmed it in Virginia and North Carolina. Uh, But this was like where it was supposed to take place in the Catskills. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm living my Dirty Dancing dream. (laughs) And I was like walking around. I was like, this place is weird. Like, it really does feel like you went back in time when you're inside this building. It was a strange place. It felt like a liminal space. Like, time just wasn't going. Okay, Mercedes, of all the rom-coms that you've watched, which I know it's been many, which one would you... Okay, so... Obviously, they're set all over the place. And I feel like a lot of rom-coms really take place in big cities. Totally. What is that one rom-com that you would love to just, like, live inside that world? Oh, my like, God. Like, you'd want to live in that city. You'd want to, like, go to that school. Or you'd like to, like, work at that. Like, what rom-com world would you like to live in? Oh, my God. That's the hardest question. <laughs> that's crazy. I mean, I feel like you have to be in New York. The greatest mm. rom-coms are all New York rom-coms to me. Okay. I have to be in the city. Because then I also think one of my favorite rom-coms, which I think is very underrated, is While You Were Sleeping. But I don't want to want to live in Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> be, I'm really getting technical here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I just stick with the classic and go with When Harry Met Sally. Like, I'd love to just have her job and wear awesome sweaters and, like, wonderful fall. I hear that. I hear that. What about you? Oh, gosh. See, I asked you this question and had absolutely no answer. For- <laughs> <laughs> okay. What is that new Rebel Wilson movie where she's stuck in a rom-com? Isn't it romantic? Yes. I don't know why that just popped into my head because I loved her apartment in there. Oh, yeah. But I don't see the thing is I don't want to live in New York City. I just feel eternally unsafe in New York. No offense to our producer, Lucy, who lives over there. Um, <laughs> I just feel like totally unsafe when I'm over there. And I oh. feel like everything is dirty. I, everything is <laughs> so dirty. Never wear flat sandals because <laughs> your feet will touch as something. <laughs> yes, I am L.A. through and through, but that is okay. <laughs> so I feel like, gosh, you know those questions where like, if you had the chance to go back in time, what time period would you go back to? And like, what would yeah. you do? My answer is always I would be a teenager in the 80s. Like Molly Ringwald would be on my walls. Rob Lowe and Andrew, McCar- Andrew McCarthy, my goodness, would be like the, my celebrity crushes. I'd have them all over my room. You know how you have that wall right next to your bed? You put like your favorite yeah. celebrity out there. So they're the first thing you see when you wake up. Yeah, it'd be a tie between Rob Lowe and Andrew McCarthy at the time because they were both just like, oh, so good. And in a future episode, we have to do Pretty in Pink because that is the oh best Andrew gosh. McCarthy. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I cannot wait till we do Pretty in Pink. Yeah, exactly. So I always feel like if I were to go back in time, that's the time I would go to. But what else were you doing in the year that we did both did not exist because this movie came out? (laughs) So yeah, this movie is older than us. And it's the first time we're doing a movie that's older than us, which is really exciting. But I really do associate this movie with New Girl, which if you're a listener, you've probably heard me rave about New Girl a couple Mm. times now. It's my favorite show. It's like my comfort watch forever. And because this movie plays such an important part from like the pilot to the end. Like Mm. you see it in so many big moments. So I always think of Nick and Jess and their love story because they're my favorite. And there's one episode where they break up in season three and she's sobbing watching this. And he like calls her up. They're doing their like breakup routines because they still live in the same apartment. So he's like drunk calling her from his room and she's watching the movie in the living room crying. And he's like, he's on the phone being like, I've heard all your three viewings of the movie. I don't understand how Penny got in trouble. And she's like, it was a different time. And it's so, it's so cute. So I always think of them. And then I just have a crush on Patrick Swayze all over again. And then I have to watch Roadhouse. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and when I haven't seen it. Exactly. Oh my god. I love uh, every Patrick Swayze movie. He is amazing. Ghost is not a rom-com. It's a drama. But oh, and I we, love Ghost. It is a good one. I was like, if we ever dipped our toes yeah. in that world. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> yes. All right, guys, it's time for the rom-com hall of fame. But of course, Mercedes, as always, we have to roast this movie. Came out in 1987, so a lot of it doesn't age well. And I just feel like the classism in this movie is abhorrent. It just always stuns me how people can have so much money and absolutely no class, and there is a difference. And then it turned out that the actual crooks, like the couple who stole the wallet in the movie, were the people who they thought were the rich people. Yeah, exactly. And that just makes me... It just makes me so mad. Just to not be given opportunities because of where you come from, right? Yeah. As a first-generation Nigerian-Cameroonian-American, I have stories upon stories upon stories of my parents, you know, not getting opportunities because of where they they came from and people looking at them differently. Like, my dad came to the United States at a time where it was incredibly racist. Like, not to get too into the weeds, but it just makes me really upset. Yeah. Because people can do anything and people can do amazing things. You just really need the opportunity. And I feel like that's been my whole life is I've, I have done so many great things, but I just need someone to give me the opportunity. I'm so thankful that they did. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. it. <laughs> all facts, all facts. I totally agree with you, just like the classism in this. And there's something that I've noticed. I love a dance movie, and I know you love a dance movie, too. Mm -hmm. And have you noticed that in dance films, it's like the main way of telling stories about classism? It feels like classism always comes into play mm. when you're watching a dance movie, even on like in like Step Up and stuff like this, like more contemporary ones. Like you yeah. see it and like it's a great way of telling stories of classism because dance as an art tells stories of culture and power structures. And like I said, like the history of dances are just rooted in communities that are marginalized always and usually communities of color, almost always. <laughs> And there's just something so interesting about how, like, looking at where dance originates from and then looking at who has the say and to say what's acceptable. Yeah, dance films just feel almost inherently connected to classism. And this is a main example of that. Mm -hmm. That's so interesting. I never thought about that. You are right. There's always two sides that have to, like, come together when it comes to dance movies. Even, like, Save the Last Dance. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So save the left. I could write an essay about it. Yeah, I had to write a whole essay. Exactly. <laughs> what I also don't like is Johnny's just whole approach towards baby. Obviously, having the context of Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey not liking each other before making this movie yeah. makes sense. But he was just so hot and cold with her. Like, one minute, he's like, what is she doing here? And the next second, he's dancing seductively with her. And the next second, he's back to, what is she doing here? And I was just, like, so confused. I was like, wait, you were just nice to her and now you're like angry at her and just and she hadn't even opened her mouth she literally just said i carried a watermelon that's all she ever said to him and he was just like so mean to her and i always come from the approach of like be nice to people until they give you a reason not to be right yeah (laughs) he definitely had a tough exterior because he doesn't trust these people who stay at this resort he really doesn't and he doesn't even really trust the wait staff either because they're all just like rich boys who are just awful And his weird approach to her has a lot to do with how he was treated. You know, when he makes that comment and they have that conversation about how the older wealthy women treat him? Yeah. And it's an important topic that you wouldn't ever expect from a movie like this because he is such a masculine presence. And then he's talking about being used by these women and like really tells her and like opens up to her in this really vulnerable way of being like, I wasn't using them. They were using me. 
And I don't know, it brings up this whole thing of like consent and power dynamics. So I think once I really paid attention to that line, I understood his hesitancy more with baby because mm-hmm. it's like, oh, you're probably just trying to like use us for some like excitement in your life or some like source of rebellion. And then once he saw her character and the way that she goes out of her way to like help people, like she's really ethical and morals have like a whole theme of their own in this movie. So I think it comes into that. I don't know. It is like annoying and confusing to see him go back and forth like that. But I really do think it has to do with all his past. And I understand I can yeah. I can appreciate that. I think it's because I've always oh, me and men, we go way back. We have a <laughs> we have a history. Me, like and how, me and men, how how <laughs> men interact with me and how I interact with men, right? I feel like I definitely get the type of guys that are like Johnny who are like, what is she? Like just kind of mean to me for no reason. Where I'm always like, hey everyone, how's it going? Just, you know, be nice to yeah. me. <laughs> There's a complete difference from like this movie character being rude and men in real life being rude. <laughs> Get it together. You are no Johnny Castle. You are no Weezy. <laughs> you are so right. What else do you have to roast, Mercedes? I know you So I've kind of brought in a couple of my roasts to our compost. And I don't even know if they're real roasts. I think it's like this for me is the biggest thing. Justice to Penny, all the love to Penny. And just the way she's treated by that waiter is so horrible. And the way he talks about her to baby and is just like, I'm not going to help people. I forget his exact phrasing, but he's just like, why would I help somebody like that? Really just careless. And it's just so like painfully real. And I'm glad this portrayal shows her decision and like no one ever questions her decision to have this abortion. And I don't know, it shines light on like the reality of illegal abortions, but it's also terrifying because obviously it's unsafe. We get to see it. She's not well after and then baby's doctor dad has to come help. Luckily he does. But it's just so horrible. It's just like the harsh reality of having to see this and know that this was real for so many people out there. And Bergstein who wrote this uh, was insistent on this story even in 1987 and a lot of people had pushback because like a lot of studios being like well Roe versus Wade is around now so you don't need it in this movie and she was like well actually this is telling a story about the 60s and she really wanted to emphasize safe and legal abortions and she actually has this quote which is eerily relevant where she says well I don't know that we will always have Roe versus Wade wow and that's what she, that was her response to these studios who would have so much pushback Wow. And that is just like, it sends like chills down my body now because it's just so relevant to right now and like everything that's happening. It's just shocking because I think we grew up at a time where we're like, yeah, of course that would never happen. But she grew up in a time where she saw that switch happen legally, where I think there's definitely more hesitance with people in her generation of being like, well, you weren't, you didn't see this go down when it was really, really bad and really illegal. So yeah, I think a lot of the critiques I have of this movie were necessary for the plot, like the Mm -hmm. classism and just the treatment of Penny and the way that Johnny explains being used. Yeah. I think, you know, it is, it is pretty chilling how relevant it still is today, even with Mm -hmm. Johnny and his, and his personal experience. Totally. There should be a world where at some point you can't relate to movies anymore like yes especially a movie that came out 35 years ago in august it'll be 35 years like that's such a long time and then for this movie to be like oh still true and then for these topics everything johnny says it was shocking to hear in like an 80s movie about being used and then even now that's so rare to hear men who are victims talk about that on screen or otherwise 
Exactly, exactly. Listeners, we want to know, what do you guys find so shocking about this movie? Just like the relevance and everything. But I also want to know from you, Mercedes, like, obviously, there's a lot to unpack with this movie, but there are some really good and some really sweet and wholesome moments. And what was your absolute favorite quote from watching this movie? Oh, my God. My favorite quote is, I carried a watermelon. <laughs> that is a good one. It's I so awkward. Gonna, it, it is so awkward. I think I'm gonna have to go with the absolute iconic one of nobody puts baby in a <laughs> So good. And then his speech after, where he's just like, "This woman taught me how to be the kind of person that I want to be one day," and it's like so sweet. And it's, wow, he really loves her. All right, so I have I have to ask you then, Bruce. It is. If this movie popped up on your Tinder feed, would you swipe left or would you swipe right? I'm swiping right forever. This movie is hot and sexy Mm. and melodramatic. And it tells such a good coming of age story and provides the sense of reality within its dance and romance story. You're never bogged down by the reality of it, but you're still having fun the whole time while still knowing that real life is happening within Mm. it. And it's iconic. We know that. Think of how important it is to pop culture. Even if you've never seen it, you know the references. You know the lift at the end and you know nobody puts baby in a corner. It solidified itself as this classic against all odds from productions and like all the difficulties that had to be made. And it's just a movie that can easily be overlooked because we'd be like, oh, it's just like a love story, dance movie, whatever. And then you watch it and you realize how nuanced it is and how so much depth it has. And it's also just a great love story. And like the dancing is so great. The music is awesome. I'm in love with Patrick Swayze. (laughs) Okay, so I agree with you on everything. It is an iconic movie. Patrick Swayze is uh, amazing. And everyone knows the references. But I'm actually going to have to swipe left. I? Yeah. Okay. So you know me. I love my rom-coms that like take place in the middle of relationships. So this movie should have been perfect for me. But I think it's because of the tension and the animosity between Patrick Swayze and Jennifer Grey. I feel like I could feel that because I didn't necessarily feel a ton of chemistry between Johnny and Baby like I would have liked to see. I, like, I still feel like he's putting on an act the whole time. I never fully believed that he gave his heart fully over to her. I didn't watch this movie until now, and I personally didn't feel like I missed anything. Like, everything that I saw, I was like, okay, I knew I knew about that. I knew the lift. I knew the quotes. I feel like I have other 80s rom-coms that I love that I'd watch over and over and over again over this one. Like, Say Anything or Pretty in Pink or Some Kind of Wonderful. Like, those are some of my favorite 80s rom-coms. So I feel like those are the ones I gravitate towards more than Dirty Dancing. But I can appreciate it for the impact it had on our culture at the time. I can appreciate it for the relevance that's still around today, but I'm going to have to swipe left. I'm so sorry. I am shocked. My heart is on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, but hey, I think it's good for us to disagree sometimes, right? Oh, totally. No, and obviously it's your opinion and like we all have our own favorites, you know? (laughs) This is just, uh, yeah, wow. My heart. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Sorry, guys. We are moving over to couples therapy. Mercedes and I just like to give advice to the people in the film on how they can improve their relationship. And since I am not the biggest fan of this movie, I think Baby just needs to become more independent. I kept thinking in this movie, like every time something happened, she'd run to her dad. And she will have to learn to stand on her own two feet and learn to problem solve before committing to another person. Otherwise, you spend your whole life relying on someone instead of learning how to take care of yourself. And then when those people become unreliable or something happens, 
you're left waist deep in crap with no idea of what to do or anything. This thought just just came across my mind. It must be so nice to have a secure attachment when it comes to like relationships, because that stems from having a good relationship with your parents. And I don't know if anyone has studied attachment styles, but there are four of them. And secure Mm -hmm. attachment is the best one. But I could definitely just see baby having that because... I was like, it must be so nice to not be absolutely terrified of your parents and to be able to go to them for things and be like, hey, I need $250. They're like, yes. Or for you to be like, hey, this this girl is, is struggling and I need you to come help her. And just to go to your parents for things that you need. I don't know. I have a very different experience. So that was also very interesting to me. But again, I just hope that she learns to stand on her own two feet when it comes to moving forward in life. She's going to need that. What's your advice for Johnny? Okay, so I understand that Johnny has had a hard time, but I hope he learns how to feel like he deserves the rooms that he walks into. Because let me tell you, there is nothing, absolutely nothing worse than an insecure man. Because when a man feels like he's less than or he feels like he's emasculated in any way, all freaking hell breaks loose. He will make sure that you feel as low as he does instead of working on himself to build himself up. And you're probably wondering, Kendra, do you have experience in this? 100%. Ladies, please don't ever be with a poisonous man. (laughs) Do not ever be with an insecure man because it is the worst. They will work so hard to bring you down instead of working on themselves. And it's just, it's such a horrible feeling. It's a horrid feeling. Don't ever do it. We're getting real. We are getting real in the rom-com room. If you guys are wondering, that's what we're talking about today. (laughs) My advice is a little different. (laughs) My advice for these two is to just keep dancing. And what I mean by that is we get to see their trust grow and their bond really build as their dancing together gets better. And we see their dynamic, like, once they're really trusting each other and, like, vulnerable with each other, their dancing takes on a whole different shape. Mm. And I don't know, it feels, like, honest for off-camera and on-camera because Jennifer Grey wasn't a dancer either. So I think Mm. she, as baby, was really learning this while Patrick Swayze studied dance and, like, is from a family of dancers. Yeah, I think the dancing is such a good metaphor for their relationship. And once they're really in sync on the dance floor, that's when they're in sync on a romantic level and an emotional level, too. So I Mm. think the dance just really tells the love story you know i think it's interesting how during couples therapy we have vastly different advice for them based off of how we feel about yeah the movie. and i'm excited to explore that in future episodes like when we don't agree necessarily on our take on the movie like how our really? advice to them changes too because it changes the whole perception of, mm-hmm. of what we're watching but i'm curious what do you feel like their love languages are okay so johnny needs quality time he gets much more vulnerable with her the more time they spend together And he gives physical touch. Hello. He is a dancer and they build so much trust through dancing as a duo. Mm. And baby needs physical touch. This is really a story for sexual awakening. So physical touch is a major element here. And then I think she gives acts of service. She's so focused on ethics and morality. And she's really willing to do the right thing over the easy thing throughout the movie. And Mm. that never changes for her. Even though she knows that like it'll make a dent in her relationship with her dad. She still is on with him and being yeah. like you need to help these people and like calls him out being like you taught me that you need to help people who need help and now you're like getting mad at me for doing that exact thing so mm-hmm. yeah exactly no i agree about both baby and shawnee i agree he needs quality time but i'm gonna do something that we haven't done yet and guess what his love language will be if they continue in the relationship Ooh. and i think it will be gifts and the reason i say that is because 
Baby is a person that comes from money. Money is something that Johnny constantly needs. And I just feel like that dynamic just doesn't work in a relationship. And that's only if they continue to to see each other, right? Which leads me to my next question. Do you think this couple lasts in five years? No, I sadly don't think so. She's off to college right after this summer, and he has his own plans. I think Johnny, more than Baby, is very much aware of their socioeconomic differences. And he also wouldn't ever want to stand in the way of her ambitions because he is so in awe of her for them. So I think he'd like never let her settle for anything less than her goals, you know? Mm. Yeah, I agree. So I said absolutely hell no. (laughs) But summer romances are amazing. I didn't have one until I was 29, but I feel like they're very necessary when you're a teenager. Like, they're necessary at baby's age. Like, she's going to learn a lot from this experience. She's going to reflect back and see the things that she did wrong, see the things that she liked. It's going to help her figure out what she wants and solidify more of what she wants in the future. So I'm glad that she had this experience. Yeah. I think it was really important for her. You know what's so funny, Versailles? Every time we get to Heartthrob, you know that Ray Charles song? It's called like, Oh Johnny or something? Yeah, yeah. it's like, I need a Johnny. Or she's like, oh, I always want to say Heartthrob like that. I always want to be like, Heartthrob. (laughs) Like you're on a late night radio show. Yeah, like I'm Marilyn Monroe with my dress. Just like, happy birthday. Oh my God. Okay, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop. We're going to talk about the heart. Where's that is? Who would you take home and introduce to your friends and family? Obviously, Johnny Castle. I'm forever in love with him. I know he's like a surface level bad boy exterior, but it's only like a very thin shell. Because for me, I see that he's like very emotional and he has this soft side. He's tender and he's confident and he still remains non-threatening, even though he's like the epitome of masculinity in his physique. But he's also so endearing, especially once he can be vulnerable and really talk to baby. And I think something that's really special about his character that I find so admirable because it seems so rare in romantic leading men is that he genuinely sees and treats women as human beings. We see him do this romantically with Baby, but it's not just with his romantic efforts. He also protects Penny and cares for her as an individual platonically. And I think that just says so much about his character. I don't know if it's because he was written by a woman and directed by an openly gay man and like choreographed by an openly gay man. I think there's this anti-hyper masculinity, hyper sexualization Mm -hmm. in this movie within like the film gaze, like how we're seeing him through the camera. And he's so special. I love him. I can appreciate that. I can 100% (laughs) appreciate that. You know, unfortunately, no one is really doing it for me in this movie. And I feel bad saying that. I feel like, you know, Johnny, he has such a nice ass. First of all, I just have to say that. I just have to I just have to get it out there. <laughs> He's such a nice behind every time you turn around. I was like, hello. <laughs> He's just not my type. Turning 30, I'm like looking for a lot more. And I feel like I'm over the whole bad boy with sunglasses and a leather jacket look. Like in my 20s, I could have been like, yeah, maybe. But now I'm like, I want commitment and assurances and comfort and <laughs> things like that. I don't want yeah. to have to feel like I have to raise you as a as a child when you are a man. That's just kind of how I feel. I do appreciate Johnny and he is super endearing. I like that he kind of peels back his tough layers the more that we see him and baby like interconnect and, and dance and get to know each other. And I think it's really sweet. But I think I'm going to just go home alone at the end of the night when it comes to this. <laughs> wow. I know. Mercedes, I can see your face. Our listeners can't see your face. So I can see your face. I know you're disappointed. I'm sorry. I'm not disappointed. I'm just fully in shock. 
<laughs> I've never heard this opinion ever about this movie, so I'm really trying to just soak it in. <laughs> you know what? This is our this is our summer rom com time. So all summer we're just gonna be doing summer rom coms. I have a feeling we're gonna disagree on a few more. Sets. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. All right, Mary Smooch goes. Who would you marry? Who would you smooch? And who would you ghost? We have Johnny. Billy, who is Johnny's cousin, and Max. Yes, and Max was the owner's son who yes. tries to flirt with Baby all the time. Obviously, I'm marrying Johnny. I'm smooching yeah. Billy, his cousin, because he was also very, he was so sweet to Baby from the beginning. And then obviously yeah. I'm ghosting Max because no one wants to dance the pachanga. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I agree there. I would, I would marry Johnny, I would smooch Billy, and I would ghost Max. But we changed Max to, oh, now I'm forgetting the guy who knocked up Robbie oh no no get him out of here absolutely not yeah <laughs> Johnny's the only one worth burying all right guys before we wrap it up we always love to bring in a pop culture moment Mercedes give us yes so it was announced last month that a sequel to the original film not Havana Nights has an expected release date of 2024 and it'll include Jennifer Grey as baby and now it'll be taking place in the 90s very exciting. Okay, okay, I see. And I think it's really cool because the sequel is going to be directed by Jonathan Levine, who also directed yes. Anne Bodies, which definitely needs to be an upcoming episode because we haven't done like a horror rom-com, right? No. We and we need Halloween. to. Yes. Oh, I love that. Warm Bodies would be such a good one. So I'm excited. Yeah. For that. Yes. And if any listeners enjoy any like behind the scenes movie fun facts like me, Watch the Dirty Dancing episode of the Netflix show, The Movies That Made Us. You will learn so much. It's like an hour long and you truly get all the all the behind the scenes. And I watched it right when it came out a couple years ago. And I love it. I love any like I'm so nosy. I love like any tidbits I can find on anything. So it was so fun to watch. That's so interesting. Listeners, of course, we want to hear from you guys. What do you think of Dirty Dancing? Is this your go to summer rom com? What do you think of the relationship between Johnny and Baby? Make sure to slide into our DMs at me cute. Again, I'm Kendra. You can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Kenton Hollywood. Yes. And I'm Mercedes. You can find me at said this gb11 and if you're looking for new rom-coms follow meet cute wherever you listen to podcasts and follow meet cute on socials everywhere bye everybody we'll see you next week bye.